0: Welcome back to the What The Folk podcast. Today's guest is responsible for one of the loudest rows that I've possibly ever heard at a stadium, and a man who's gone down in folklore at Celtic Park, Colt Bridge's finest, Tony Watt. How are you doing, Tony? All right? I'm good, mate. How are you? Uh, same as everyone, struggling. It's weird times, isn't it? What have you been up to during lockdown?
1: Ah, strange times. It's. I've been okay. I'm trying to keep better myself with different runs and I'm trying to just get my head on runs every morning, maybe four or five times a week, Monday, Friday, or I'll i take Wednesday off and do Saturday as well. And I'm just trying to do different runs and beat them every week. So I change it up, I'm surviving, but I'm missing that feeling kind of kicking the ball about and the kind of camaraderie of a changing room spirit.
0: When it comes to like a lot of the clubs and stuff, obviously I know a lot of clubs have uh, WhatsApp groups and stuff like that, and I've seen a lot of the trainings done via like, Zoom and stuff like that, or even just catch-ups. Does that help with morale then, like when this is going on, having chats o- online and stuff?
1: Yeah, well, I still keep in touch with a few of the boys because we play PlayStation together, and it's good. It's, it's, you've obviously got your wee, not groups, your wee clicks. Not, there's not really any clicks at Motherwell, but you've got the people you contact and the people that you stay in touch with, and it helps because you're getting a laugh with them and and you're just getting to kind of share the buzz and you're still getting to speak to them every day. And But I do miss the kind of in the spirit training when you're tired after training, getting a laugh and hopefully it comes back soon.
0: Yeah. Fingers crossed, mate. You mentioned about the, the PlayStation and I was just saying off air, this was something I was completely unaware of. Um You're a bit of a, a gamer, a streamer or something like that. What What is it you do?
1: I, I just put the stream on and put a camera on my face and start playing the game and I'm not skilled I'm not at a top level we spoke about some people that are very good at FIFA very good at Duty. Yeah, I'm average at best but we get a laugh and you build a community and it's good for people watching as well they come in the chat and say oh it's helping my day. it's doing this and it's good I, I want to do stuff in the media that kind of line of work after my career I'm guessing that's the kind of route I'll take if possible. And I believe that this stuff trains you, this stuff helps your voice, it helps your conduct and it helps you get your opinions out as well and gets your personality out there.
0: There's a big... Um, someone asked me another question because David Myler is probably someone who's like the kind of poster boy for for that currently in terms of ex-footballers. Yeah. And I think sometimes you used to get like a few jibes because you were seen as like a gamer and it was still seen as quite like a, a geeky thing, if that makes sense. Do you get like... Are people becoming more used to that sort of thing? Is it becoming more... I don't want to say cool, but like like you don't get as many jibes for it anymore.
1: I, I always watched YouTube and I never really knew about streaming and stuff. And when I started streaming, I, I seen a few of his videos as well. And I thought, oh, that's quite good. I don't know if it was before I started streaming or not. I think it was maybe during the time. And I thought, wow, his videos are good. He's really professional, speaks well. Irish, obviously, I've got, a, I've got family members. My grandma's was Irish, so... He kind of keep a wee eye on the national team, and it kind of all linked up. And yeah, for yeah, I'm thinking, I don't know if he's working or he's just doing videos. Of, I'd use the term working loosely because I don't really know the ins and outs, but I'm guessing he's working for EA doing interviews, and he's interviewing a lot of Premier League players. And he's really successful. He's it can't be under undervalued what he's doing, and a lot of people look up to him when they're streaming.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right in terms of like when you were saying before about conduct and hosting and stuff like that. Even if you're just starting and doing it for fun, it does give you a it does give you a route into how maybe you can portray yourself in the media if that's the kind of career you want to go ahead with. You know what I mean? But but at the same time, you're still only 26, still only a young lad. But yeah, going back all the way to your childhood, right? Just to go to your to your career a little bit, as we always do with this, we'll go back as far as we can. Obviously, early days, born in Cobridge. Uh, born and bred. What are your earliest memories of liking football?
1: I used to play for my school teams. I used to play for a team called Dunbev, which is probably one of the bigger ones around my area. You've probably heard it. I don't know, no. maybe, but I think it's quite a well-known team and I just loved playing. I used to love it at the start of the season, try to get the number seven. Uh, as I grew up, obviously 32 was my number, and then you'd start to go towards nine as a striker. But I think it would have been because Henrik last I used to go for the number seven, and I just, I just always loved football. I just loved just to, used to love scoring goals. I just, everything was just based on football. And when you're walking about the street, you always had a ball. When you had any bit of opportunity, you'd go down the park and play football. It's really been life. And now this is probably the longest I've went without kicking a ball. But the only reason I'm understanding is because. If you're staying home, you're saving lives. And that's what we've been drilled up here. Yeah. From, the from obviously, the government up here. I know it's a bit different in England, but it's always been about football for me. My life's always revolved around football. And I've never really been one that studies a lot of football games in terms of I used to always want to go out and play it rather than watch it. And I'm probably still the same, but I still watch the games. I I like to watch Scottish football more than anything just because you've got an interest, because you know the players, you know the stuff. But I like watching football
0: as a whole. So I'm guessing from number seven in the Larson situation, you grew up as a Celtic fan from birth then?
1: Yeah, I did. uh, I was always a Celtic fan. Uh, I actually used to go to Marlowe games before I went to Celtic games, because my uncle's from New York Hill, which you'll know. Yeah, yeah. And my mum and dad didn't want me to go to Celtic games especially old farm games but just because they thought it was maybe a bit dangerous so I used to take my uncles on a Friday night wake up watch wrestling in the morning and then go and he would get tickets off a guy up to Motherwell I think he was a steward or something he must have got two tickets every week and we went we went to quite a fair few Motherwell games when we were younger and I loved it I did but whenever Celtic came to play Motherwell when I was in the Motherwell end I really did have a soft spot for Celtic which was understandable but it was weird I always wanted to go to Motherwell and finish my career in my head but I've came a little bit earlier and I'm
0: happy with that Obviously you joined Motherwell in February just to kind of go to, to recent stuff as it was obviously the game time's been cut short by coronavirus but how are you finding things under Robinson and Leslie?
1: Yeah brilliant obviously they two have been brilliant More Ross has been brilliant as well and everybody hints you the goalkeeping coach they've all made me feel welcome they've all helped me along and there's a real, there's a real feel to the club, there's a, a kind of workman like feel to the club, everybody's pulling in the same direction whereas some clubs you've been at, maybe it's dictated by money, dictated by power and it's not really like that, everybody chips in and, and goes in the same direction.
0: Is it nice to be back home because I think, if I believe, right, you've been out, I know Mother World's Mother World, but you know in that kind of area, closer where you're from, it's been about three or four years since you've been sort of. That side yeah, of I was Scotland
1: at Johnston, which is an hour and a half away. Obviously, that was to get games, and I was at Hearts for six months, which, yeah. like we said, it's been a bit bitty. I don't know other than that how we could describe it, but hopefully, I can stay here and get a bit of consistency, and yeah, try and build on it. And I'm I'm back home. This is my local area. It's within ten miles of the house, maybe less. Of enough number, and yeah, I'm just hoping that. I can kind of build something and
0: kick on. Obviously, Motherwell doing really well at the moment as well. I think we spoke to Keith Lasley about a month or so ago, and he was saying that you know, being third in this division at the moment, when you do have Celtic and Rangers, is a huge, huge achievement. But it's um, it doesn't feel like Motherwell are punching above their way. It feels like they probably have got the third best side in the league, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, when I went in, I was I was quite wary. I was thinking, well, what's going on here? Like I thought, is it Lark? Is it this? Is it? When I, mean, I went in and seen the tempo of the trainings, I seen everybody working together, I seen the quality put together, I was thinking, right, understandably why you're third and let's kick on and try and break into the team because it's going to be hard if you're at the third best team in the country.
0: Going back to your obviously your career at the start, I think you started it at Airdrie, didn't you? Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's the local rivals in Motherwell, obviously they've not been yeah. in the league at the same time, but we're one of the local rivals, it's a Lanarkshire derby as such and yeah, I started there. They were brilliant for me. They gave me the start and then obviously they sold me on to Celtic after a year on the youth team and then
0: six months in the first team. I was watching, um, obviously it's a couple of years old now, but I was watching obviously the Open Goal podcast with Cy Ferry. Um, yeah. And obviously you didn't really have like an, an academy career, so to speak, like, you know, a lot of young lads do. So what was it like learning you trade in the second division of Scotland rather than coming through an academy and what were the benefits of it?
1: Yeah. Uh, I was playing against men, I probably didn't have that discipline to see this kind of schoolboy discipline that you get in a youth academy, I then went to Celtic and a couple of slaps on the wrists later, I started to understand it, I started to learn it and I've always been that kind of, my own spirit, my own kind of man and yeah, I don't know if that's why I've got this kind of bad reputation that's kind of just stuck out there because I just say it how it is and... And social media on this, and I think Airdrie helped me just getting thrown out of deep end, and not you don't speak back to some people. Men, you could be threatened by your own teammates, you could be threatened by our team, but it was proper men, it was proper, it was a proper old school upbringing, and it was only for a year and then six months, and then when I get went to Celtic, I had to stand in line and and do my bit, and I think it kind of worked well for me. I think it. It kind of made me the player I was because when I went to Celtic, I was nowhere near the player I left.
0: When you look at like coming through like second division in Scotland, or when you get players that have loan moves from like Premier League academies to like League Two or League One, whatever it may be, a lot of them kind of, it's a cliche, but a lot of them will say like it's different when you're playing against men whose mortgage is on the line every week that they play. And there is something about that, isn't
1: there? Yeah, well, these payments in Scotland probably don't even add up to a mortgage at the end of the month. but it's still something towards it and it's a shame because obviously in England there's a lot more money there's a lot more exposure but for me it was a great experience I was getting £30 in my first contract with a £20 appearance fee so I was just playing for the love I wasn't playing to pay a mortgage I wasn't getting enough to get a mortgage but I loved every minute and it was tough it was really hard and obviously I moved on and enjoyed moving even more than I did enjoy playing because I got to move to my dream
0: team. Which is, obviously, I think you had a few options when Celtic took you on. I know you had a trial at Liverpool. I think Rangers were chasing you as well. But how many clubs actually wanted you at that time?
1: Well, I think we kind of knew I was going to Celtic. I went and played a trial game in start of November, so it was the longest two months ever. It was starting start of November and I same start of January, so it was like waking up every night, thinking about it and yeah I think we knew so whenever the bids came in I knew it was Celtic and then I got a phone call the, the morning when I went to play a game saying look you're not playing today uh, you're going to Celtic on Monday or Friday I can't remember maybe Monday got negotiated and then that was it I was a Celtic player a week later
0: Is it mad? Like, because I mean obviously I'm, I'm a Sondland fan but is it it sounds like a daft question, but do you know when you sometimes think, like, am a dreaming here? Is this actually real? Like, and I know a yeah. lot of big things came after that, but even just walking in and going, like, bloody hell.
1: I was scared to film my medical in case the dream moved. That's the thoughts were in my head. Please pass a medical. Please pass a medical. I was paranoid because, obviously, it was the dream team. Like, I wasn't on big money. I had to go – I went down to Matalan and bought a top. that was, like, £6 the morning I signed for Celtic and just so I could look presentable and – I was just nervous like usually I would just turn up in anything but I thought if I'm going in here into Lennox Town I'm not turning up in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I've got jeans and a top on and I think it was about £6 I bought a top I remember it in a £6 or £4 one of the two and I turned up and I got obviously I got the pain, signed the contract and it was one of the best days of my life.
0: I can't imagine what it must be like signing for and I mean we're, we're talking like I'm talking about Sunderland, right, which is a huge club. But when you're talking Celtic, Rangers, biggest clubs in the world, I don't care what anyone says. Um, they have absolute global appeal. And if it's your boyhood club, it's not just like it's a bit like signing for Liverpool, isn't it? Everyone knows that club. When you've actually signed it and you go back home to your flat and you sit down, like how long does that take to sink in that you're like a Celtic player?
1: Well, when I signed it probably didn't realize I probably thought what's what's going on here and then you go in and train I think I must have signed on a Friday and trained on the Monday I can't remember the events but when I went in trained I think Fraser Foster had just signed on loan from Newcastle whether it was his second spell or he just came and he trained with us I think it might be his second spell he trained with us and then I flew to Turkey a few days later and it was just mind-blowing it was amazing and it's just something that I never ever dreamed of, I dreamed of it, but I never dreamt it could come true.
0: Yeah, you can pinch yourself for a moment, don't you?
1: I went I went from Airdrie to Celtic, usually you go from Airdrie, maybe take a small step up, small, and then progress, but I went from, I times my wages by 20 or whatever, to a good working salary, and it was just, that was my job from
0: then on thing is as well, you, you like got into football quite late as well, didn't you? I mean, like we were saying before about a lot of players come through academies, you were like 15, 16 when you went to Airdrie, so you're going from 15, 16 to playing for your first club, to playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world within like two years, and your boyhood yeah. club. Like,
1: yeah, madness. It was uh, the day I made my debut was at Molybould, and I actually ran on the park and had a look back to think, I think the manager was in the stand at the time, and I thought, pinch me, I'm dreaming. Like I know it's so cliche, but I thought... Wow, this is this is it. If you if you bury me right here right now, then my dreams have come true.
0: You said about uh, the manager being in the stands. I'm assuming that was Neil Lennon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How how early in in your uh, career do you meet Neil Lennon? Do you kind of does he in, uh, introduce you to the team sort of straight away, or do you play with like the the 18s and stuff like that first? Or are you straight in with with Lennon?
1: Uh, I think I played in a reserve game for. I don't remember why, but I ended up one of my first weeks playing in a reserve game against Atletico Bilbao, And it took some of the first team and some of the youth team players that weren't playing at the time. And I wasn't in the team straight away. So I went over there and I think we met him there. And then after that, you don't have a lot of contact. And then when I went to train with the first team, he was, he was there quite a bit.
0: Do you know how you were saying before about Larson being obviously your hero? And obviously what a fantastic player Larson was. Massively underappreciated. But with the players that were in the dressing room at the time, you still had quite a few like, players that you probably watched as a kid like in that dressing room at the time. I can't quite remember who it was, but... Yeah, Samaras. Samaras.
1: Brown, Samaras Brown. Uh, they two I definitely watched three, four years prior. Uh, maybe 2008, 2009, I think Brown was there. I don't know remember when Sam signed, but I definitely watched him. And then <sighs> there was not really many more other than the two that I can really think of that had been there a long time. But I was definitely a fan. Definitely kind of starstruck when I seen them. But it was good. They all treated me like one of the first teams straight away and that was it.
0: What's Brownie like?
1: He's all right. He's a, a winner wants to win I was only there when I for maybe a year year and a half but he's he's got that mentality there where he wins at all costs you can see that from the outset and he's a top top player
0: Does he is it true that he like just switches on sort of game mode immediately as soon as he's on that pitch he yeah. just can't shake that kind of mindset do you think that's why he's such a good captain
1: yeah he's he's incredible he's uh, he's got a winner's mentality even when you play against him now he's face just stays like that. Yes. Stone faced and he just tries to rile everybody up and he's just led Celtic to what will be nine in a row. And that's incredible. People wrote him off maybe three titles ago, four titles ago, and he's still going and he's he's probably going to go down as one of the best Scottish players in the past twenty years, if not one of the best Scottish players that have played in this league.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned before about your debut against Motherwell. Now we're talking about how surreal it was just signing for them, how surreal it was being on the same pitches, like your heroes and stuff like that. But your debut must have been absolutely mental because you come on the pitch, you're on the pitch two minutes, you're on the pitch five minutes and you've scored twice. Like,
1: Yeah, it was mad. It was. I honestly believe it was meant to happen because I used to go to Motherwell as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing, it was surreal, it's hard to describe because the first goal I just flicked it on, it went in and then the second goal it just teed up and I just finished it the way I normally finish and it kind of gave me a platform from then for people to sit up and go he's a good player and I don't know, it's just one of these things that I wouldn't change that, that's probably one of the most special moments in my career because what it meant to me.
0: Was it one Yammer that put the ball in?
1: Yeah, he he crossed it and then Ledley set me up for the next one. So two top
0: top players. Do you even have it in your head of like how you would celebrate when you're making your debut? Because obviously not many people score twice on their debut within five minutes for the Boyard Club. But you're sitting on the bench, you're thinking, will I get on, will I not? Will I get two minutes here or there? You come on, you score twice. Did you even have a celebration well, in your head?
1: I did not expect to score, so no. But I was a big fan of Drogba, so I done the kind of... The drug by celebration. Yeah. yeah, that one in my first goal and then it was just like a, a a kinda I think the second celebration was just like I don't know if that was first or second, but the second one was just as if like I'm laughing here, like you can see a picture of me laughing as if what's going on here, like but it was obviously amazing to look back and see it.
0: Who were you closest met like at that point?
1: So it wasn't there wasn't really anybody that I was so close with, but as time went on, I was tight with you, Adam Matthews and James Forrest mostly. We were similar ages and kind of done more stuff together and it was a it was a good group we had. It was a everybody was brilliant. Obviously you had superstars in that dressing room, but everybody treated you the same and it was refreshing to be honest. There was no there was no snakes, there was no hissing, there was no bad mouth and everybody was on the same page and you could see mentality that they had pulling the league back I think it was 15 points at the end of the season that I played and then from then on they've just kicked on that was the the first one obviously when I scored against Motherwell that was the first of the nine that's going to be given obviously it's eight just now but it's going to be put in stone that it's nine and that was the start of it and then the next year you could see that they just
0: went on and on. Talking about uh, James Forrest had a couple of difficult years, I think. After that, but he's he's really blossomed. Obviously, I've gone to see him a few times for Scotland. Um, he's blossomed into one of the most important players in the national team, let alone Celtic's team. Um, could you always see he had that potential coming through?
1: Yeah, James, he was a top player. He he came through a lot, a lot, uh, a long time before me. Yeah. But when I went and I was just, he was the kind of one I looked up to and thought, I like him. He's a top player. I want to kind of. Obviously, Hooper was my hero, but Jamesy he was the one that was more relatable to me coming through, as he was in the first team as a young boy and he was top. He was in training; he would terrorise people. I watched him at the new camp against Jordi Alba. I think he came on at half time, terrorised them, and I just thought he could be whatever he wants to be. And Jamesy's quite unique. Well, he probably could have left a lot of teams have probably wanted him, but he just loves it at Celtic.
0: I think with uh, with Forrest as well. I think obviously, I think it was. During Dyler where he had probably the most difficult period. But yeah, the think- Dyla
1: Dyler wrote him off a little bit, I think. <coughs> I remember I remember I don't know Jamesy James A will be happy with me saying this, but I remember a few times after training, Dyler hadn't treated him well and he'd said a few bad things. And Jamesy's not one event. He wouldn't have told yeah. you this. But you looked over and you saw that he was kinda upset about the words. Do you know what I mean? You could let like, you tell him or about him saying this and he just he didn't badmouth him. Type of guy you wouldn't speak bad about anybody. Great lad and Diala just never managed him. That was probably Diala's biggest mistake. Yeah. Because he had a good team, but he kind of mismanaged James. He said, I remember one of my first weeks, uh, if James Forrest doesn't train him five days in a row or three days in a row, he doesn't play for me. And James had struggled with injuries. It's not his fault that his body had let him down a couple of times, which now Brendan Rogers came in and fixed that. So it needed somebody, Dyla's passing the blame, but it needed somebody to come in and fix that. Brendan Rogers done so. Maybe that's a bit harsh on James. He's done it, but you see how well he's done since then. He's For me, the best Scottish talent that's out there now, he's unbelievable.
0: Oh, and his day, he's, he's ridiculously good. Um, yeah. And you he can see... Play anywhere. every week.
1: Yeah. Play anywhere he sees goals, he sees assists, he sees pace, he
0: sees touch.
1: He's unbelievable. He's been made to play right wing back sometimes and he does it. He's not a player that's going to go for a 50 50 and win headers, but that's just him. You're not going to ask David Silva to go and win headers. You're not going to go and ask Aguero to go and slide tackle somebody out of the pockets. I honestly think Jamesy could have played anywhere he wanted to. Do
0: you know when it comes to like, because obviously I support an English team. But I spent a lot of time in Scotland seeing a lot of Scottish players and seeing a lot of Scottish players come through and be really successful in the Premier League. But do you still think that the the SPL gets a bit of a bad rep in England and people just don't think the quality is good? And you've got that whole like pub team thing, but the amount of players that are coming along from the SPL, I mean Van Dyke's the standout, but you've also got Larson going back ten years. Do you think someone like James Forrest, Wanyama, exactly? Wan Yama got the
1: Champions League final with Tottenham does Joe Ledley left Celtic and played for Crystal Palace every week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And British people want like to put down England. That's just the way it is. Van Dijk went down and became the best player in the league. Yeah. So he came second for the Ballon d'Or and he played at Celtic. So I think that's dispelled that he can't make a jump.
0: Feels like there's, there's bargains to be had as well because it feels like the money in England between like the Championship and maybe the Premiership, the money's gone crazy, like absolutely nuts. Whereas you can still get a really good Scottish player because of that for about, like what, nine, ten million. Do you think more clubs should take a chance?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of players, but a lot of people don't want to leave Celtic. A lot of people can get a top career at Celtic rather than going to a. Why would you leave Celtic winning every week to go to a, a team that's 20th in the Premier League to then yeah. go into a championship? Like, I know you're playing the Premier League, but do you really want to play in the Premier League for one year in the championship mm. for a year and just keep going up and down, or do you want to win trophies, play against AC Milan, play against Barcelona, play against Real Madrid? I know what I'd just. <coughs>
0: And whether you're a blue or you're a green, when it comes to the atmosphere you can get at Ibrox and Celtic Park, it's pretty much untouchable across Europe, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's the best I've ever heard.
0: Yeah. Obviously, I've not been to
1: every stadium in the world, but sometimes when you're in Parkhead and it's a European night, you can't hear yourself speaking. That's not an understatement. You're Sometimes you do training and we know communication, you're not allowed to speak. We... We do 5 We sides with no voice. You're not allowed to say pass, move, whatever, because you'd be training for what happens in European nights and you literally couldn't speak to your mate two metres away.
0: Talking about European nights, there's a particular one that you might remember. Um, Barcelona. You're looking through the team, right? I mean, Barca are not a bad side now, let's be honest, but you're looking through the team there and you've got the Messi, Iniesta, Xavi. Did you know you were going to play or even been on the bench?
1: Yeah, the manager said to me, we'll go to need you tonight in the hotel in the morning. So just be ready. We were, I think we had a lot of injuries. I think there was a lot of youth team lads on the bench. And there was too many injuries for, obviously, to have three or four backups on the bench. So I think I was one of the ones, the more experienced players on the bench. And he told me that you'd be going on. So I think, obviously, if everybody was fit, I probably wouldn't have got on. And it would have probably went down a different route.
0: Did you think you were going to get on the pitch or did you think it was going to be a case of if it was going to be a, de- a defensive performance, which it wasn't, or did you feel like you were going to sit back and you might get five minutes here or there?
1: Uh, I think because you spoke to me, I had an idea I was going on, but still until you go on, you don't really believe it, do you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, who would have been the centre-offs that night for Barcelona? Pique? Yeah, I think it was, no, he came on, it was
1: Mascherano and somebody else, I think PK came on. But when I was on, it was obviously
0: the 2 So you come on, you're 1 0 up. What's going through your head when you get on the pitch?
1: Hopefully, we don't get beat.
0: <laughs> and then on no the flip No,
1: seriously, that. Yeah. That no, it. Even at 2 0. 2 0, I was thinking, hopefully, we don't concede 2 <coughs> and then we're sound.
0: On the flip side, what goes through your head when that ball lands to you? When the headers missed, you're clean through one goal?
1: I can't remember it. I just thought, put it away and then that was it. Just how do I celebrate? That's what I remember. Do, How
0: do, do you celebrate? Do you, do you remember the moment it happened? Or is it like so surreal? It's just a, I
1: just remember it bitty. Like in stages and it's one of them I can just remember running to the corner and that's about it.
0: And the raw, I think I was talking to you off air before, I'd just moved to Glasgow at that point, a couple of months. And I was in Glasgow Green, which is for people who don't know the area, it's what, what 30, 40 minutes walk to Celtic Park, give or take? Yeah, at least. And I could hear the roar when it went in. And I had to check my phone to be like, oh, it's gone on here, someone scored. And the roar was that loud. Was it deafening when you were there? Or does it does everything go quite quiet when you do something like yeah,
1: that? Yeah, everything went quiet. It was one of the moments that just time stands still. And But after that, I can remember walking on the park and I just could hear everybody singing my name. And I'll never forget that. It was as if I had four people around me just shouting the same, obviously, Tony, Tony Watt in my ear and we obviously have vibrations in the room. That's just what it would feel like.
0: Does life change after that?
1: No, it was just the same. People knew who I was more, but my routines did the same. Obviously, it's different. People seeing you in the street, the way people, you'd get people when they stuff. I was in the Nike a few weeks later, and you can see people peeling around and eyes on you, and it just felt uncomfortable, but it was, it is what it is. You kind of need to deal with that when you're the spotlight.
0: Is it, because I mean, maybe I'm assuming here, right? But you seem like quite a sort of down-to-earth lad. That certainly is not a Billy Big bollocks, which you've sometimes been labelled at you. Does it feel quite uncomfortable? And you said before about people sort of like recognising you. Is it quite weird? Because I, I imagine for like even nowadays, people want to speak to you about that goal.
1: Yeah, it's it's now it's just I just see the same thing. as what it is. And but before it was strange. People want to speak to you. People stop me in the street and but it is what it is, it's part of it, you need to be a professional about it, if people want to talk to you, you can't walk by and just stick your nose up, you need to be courteous and that's it and you just, if you want to be successful, which obviously that's what I wanted to be and I believe I was at Celtic because I would never have done better than that on a normal career and I played for them not a lot of times, maybe 35, 40 times but I got a league title. I got that memory, and I moved on. I was never going to play every week, and that is what it is. You need to be nice to everybody, and you need to be respectful. Obviously, if somebody's cheeky to me, they won't get the time of the day. But if they're nice, then they
0: get the time of the day. How old were you when you scored that goal? Eighteen. Eighteen, yeah. Do you think that, like, that's where what people really don't see with football? Right? Don't get me wrong. It's, I'm sure everyone wants to do something like that, but. Going from you know playing for your boyhood club, scoring to in your debut and people recognising you to scoring against Barcelona and going down in folklore, and everyone wants to speak to you and you get all this attention and all this focus, and you're still 18, you're still a kid, You're yeah. 18. Do you think people underestimate how actually difficult that is?
1: No, I dealt with my own way. That was it. And it's a difficult point for Celtic, being in the public eye, but more so obviously when it comes up that quick, but. It is what it is. I can't complain. I don't have any complaints. I don't have any anything to say about it. That's it. I speak about the Barcelona game more than I speak about it on podcasts and stuff like that. And yeah. Because that's what people want to speak about and that's it. And like you say, it is what it is. It's, it's something that gave me a great platform. And if I never scored that goal, people wouldn't know me as much. And that's fine. And there's good sides. There's bad sides to that. Would people want to speak and like obviously every time a game comes Tony you're available for an interview or whatever if I was at St John's or whatever would people want that if I never scored that goal probably not but it is what it is it's just there's positives and there's negatives to do with it
0: Going back to the characters you had in the club and stuff like that you said you were close to obviously Forrest close to Adam Matthews did you play with Stokesy?
1: Yep played with Stokesy uh, What's he I like? actually quite tight with Stokesy 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 he's just he's a madman but in a good way, I didn't mind him. He he kinda kept his cell to cell. He obviously had kids, but a madman in terms of he was funny. He was what a player. One of the best first touches I've ever seen. One of the best whips I've ever seen. And yeah, he's just Stokesy Stokesy, that is that's all I can really say. about him he's he was a top player.
0: Do you have any funny memories of him that you can share on a podcast?
1: <laughs> uh, no Nothing, Stokesy, there was so many things Stokesy would yeah. do in a, good, in a good way Yeah, that you just forget about it. Obviously, the stories Stokesy will tell you and he's whatever if he speaks to you or whatever, but there's not really any... And I wasn't really touched tight with him in terms of closeness. Obviously, James Forrest and Adam Matthews, I was probably going out with a lot more, but Stokesy had a family at that time.
0: Yeah. Because obviously, we had Stokesy at Sunderland as well, and I think... Yeah. The stories have always followed Stokesy, but to be fair to him, you look at his career and he's been dynamite pretty much everywhere. He's been apart from probably good Sunderland, but he's a kid. Good player,
1: scores goals. He's, he's a good player, he's a topper.
0: Yeah. When it comes to leaving Celtic, I remember at the time it seemed to sort of drag on. There was like a chance that you were going to leave, then you didn't. And then it, it seemed to go on longer than it needed to. Um, even though it took months before you actually left, how difficult was it making the decision to leave? obviously
1: I was in loan the year before Yeah, I wanted to go and stand on my own two feet and they waited until the last day of window it wasn't great because there wasn't much options there but I went to Learson, it, it was brilliant for me, I came back and I knew with Ronnie Dyler that he wasn't telling me the full picture, he wasn't telling me the full truth, I had an offer there from Liège to go and triple my money to go and and I wasn't pushing for it I tripled my money Uh, European football good competition Belgian league's probably similar if not a little bit more global than Scotland there's definitely more money in it in terms of there's four or five big teams that pay big money but probably would say a similar level but I just I wasn't pushing for it I just wanted to try and see if I could make it Celtic and Ronnie Dyer was giving me mixed signals he was saying I remember my first training session I I trained unbelievably I thought I'm showing him and then we traveled to Austria I think it was Austria or Germany one of the two and then the next day I wasn't even in the 22 man 11v11 and I was thinking something's up here and then he was telling me stuff he was lying he he was all right, to be fair, but he was just not telling me the full picture. He Then it just, it was strange. He said to me just before I went, he said, I like you. You've listened to everything I've told you. Because he was saying to me, like, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. And I was doing everything he said. And he said, I just want my own guy And He said, Joe Inberg, or whatever his name was. Mm. I said, no problem. We move on. That's fine. I appreciate it. I tried to get my best, but obviously I wasn't your cup of tea kind of thing. He was like, look, I always speak good about you. Uh, Lennox Town's always open for you to use. And I went, signed my contract at Liège, opened the newspaper on my phone, and he said something about my work rate. And I thought, you, oh wow, like, brilliant. Just absolutely everything you've said, it's just been the opposite. And I just felt a bit stabbed. Stabbed in the back probably isn't the word because I wasn't close with him but I just thought anything he says from now on it just has no context it's just not getting in it and to be fair John Collins phoned me the assistant manager and he said Tony uh, it's been a pleasure working with you the last few months Uh, you've really worked hard to get you because I'm not a good runner I'm not I'd always been near the back I'm 90 kilos I'm, I'm not I long distance runner, but power stuff and that. And I didn't think John Collins was a big fan of me. I don't know why. During the time and he phoned me, he was like, "Look, brilliant, your attitude's been good. It's time for you to move on, get a fresh start. Uh, all the best." And I thought that's a measure of the man. Like I thought, brilliant for him. He he took the time and he was genuine. Never ever said a bad word about me. Whereas Dialer probably never gave me the fair. Crack, I kept my mouth shut, worked hard. Played actually a game against St. Pauli and I thought I was good. He, at half time, he said, Give the ball to Tony. I was playing left wing. His team talk was, Give the ball to Tony. And when you're playing at Celtic, when somebody's saying that to you, you think, I've got to have a chance here. And in the press, I think he maybe leaked it to the press that I was leaving. I think after St. Pauli game, everything get wrapped up. He spoke to them and the thing and then that I was leaving. And then I thought, well, that's my cards are marked here. Because he's seen one hanging to me, the change room, then one thing there. And then everything just pointed towards me to leave. And then I thought, do you know what? I've get, I think I had a year left in my contract with an option. The Celtic were getting nearly two million. I was tripping my money. I was going back to Belgium. I wasn't really wanting to move away again. But I thought, if I'm moving, now's the right time. And then I
0: moved on and that was it. Since you've left Celtic, have you been back to um, Celtic Park as a fan?
1: Yeah, I went and watched the three each game against Man City. I think it was three each. I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it was. I, I get blurred to the exact, but I think Dunbarly scored two, maybe, and Tierney scored. I, I'm not too sure, but I remember it was three years ago, four years ago. But I've been back, and I've I've been a supporter. And so, I, I always I will back. be after my after my career. I will. I went to the Barcelona game actually. I, think I went and sat where hood up up the top uh, family tier. They played Barcelona. I think Neymar, Messi in that played. I can't remember the score, but that's and I went to the Zenit game in Europe as well. That's the three times I've been back. But it's it's hard to go back obviously because you get recognised. But I'll definitely go back as a fan when my career. finished. I always have a soft spot for Celtic.
0: So as it was, you went to you went to Belgium. Was yeah. As you said before, the the move happened, I think, relatively late for you, but had you always planned to leave Scotland and go into Europe, or was it just like at that time it was the best option?
1: No, I think after all the kind of stardom, the kind of everybody knows who you are, I just told my, my surrounding people that it's time for me to move on and time for me to get away from all this and try and get my head clear because I'd never dealt with that before, and that was it, I went. Obviously, I moved to a big club as well, but it was a lot less profile on you, a lot less scrutiny, and that was it. And I enjoyed my time away, but it just wasn't the correct club for me. French yeah. speaking, didn't want to speak English. I tried to speak French, but I wasn't grasping the language quick enough, which you don't learn a fluent language in six months.
0: No, not at all.
1: A team where you you need to be for the area, to really, really settle in. But a lot of the lads were brilliant with me, a lot of the stuff were brilliant, and... And then I moved on to Charlton. Same owner, same club. But kind of a club in turmoil. You'll see now the stuff that's going on. Had a good six months. Was having a good two months. Got a phone call saying we want to sell you. We not need the money. But they hinted towards that. I was waiting on a new contract. We had agreed before I signed that I'd take a cut. Signed there. Said if I have a good six months, we get a new contract at the table straight away. She was like, yep, 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 yep. Came here. No answer, no answer. Not we can't agree a contract because we're we'll trying to cut things. We'll rather sell them. He can go out and loan until January and then sell. Done that. Went to The f- Transfer embargo hit when I agreed a contract. Agreed defeat. And then that was it. That was a, a weird year. And then I thought, okay, that's it. It's been a bit turmoil. Let's just go. Got a loan, moved to Blackburn. And we'll settle here. Two months in, get a Scotland cap and rip my groin off the bone. And then that was it. It was just like that for for a while. And it's just been madness. It's just, after that, I just wanted to calm down, go back home, went to Hearts. And then Hearts was good. Hearts wasn't the, the, the right club for me at that time. But I understood what Hearts was. I understood what kind of club it was. And I thought, now it's time to go back and just settle at Charlton. And I went back, ready to settle. And it just never worked out. Carol Robinson became the manager. Didn't really see eye-to-eye with him. He was kind of telling you one thing doing the other, but he didn't need to as a manager understand that. He wasn't really my cup of tea, I wasn't his cup of tea. I was probably a bit too vocal for him. If something isn't right, I'll see it. It's maybe a problem in mine. but I swear, just the way I've been and just didn't work out. Went to Belgium. After that, I left my contract at Charlton went to Belgium was enjoying it for a couple of months broke my toe we were winning every game Manager to get sacked and Nigel Pearson came in and I just thought oh no <laughs> oh no like
0: not again why yeah. why has it
1: always happened to me <clears throat> what card thought I'd go on waiting Pearson maybe 30 miles in his cup of tea I don't know why I thought maybe being British he'd come in and not use me as a chaperone for the team but try and get me a camera and down because I spoke to all the boys I was tight with the boys and obviously with a language barrier you'd think that he would use it and it just wanted him that he never started many games he started me one game left wing he me in and said that's the way I like my winners to what I'm a stiker bear in mind I was running up and down like a blue ass fly and he was like ah, look and then he was slotting the other winger, saying look he's not lotting he's not doing this and then the next game he puts me up front. I'm thinking, all right. And that winger played and then he kept playing and I was thinking, it doesn't add up here. And I just thought, wasn't getting on, wasn't even making the, I wasn't making the squads and I was just thinking, what what's going on here? I was one of the highest paid players at the club, obviously that's the only reason. Yeah. You would go to a second division team in Belgium, being totally honest, brilliant money. It was money that you wouldn't believe he would yeah. never get it in Scotland's top division outside Celtic and Rangers, never mind in the uh, Belgium second division and uh, never mind one of the other team like leagues like that, never mind League 2, sorry Championship in Scotland and it was just strange, it was just, and then when I left he was sound with me and I was just thinking this game's confusing me, took six months off because obviously I played for two clubs and same for St. Johnston. was good, good year. Obviously, it's a nice club, family club, but for me, my was a bigger club, which is normal. Closer to home, and obviously, after the Bulgarian adventure, I've ended up here, and Bulgaria, there's not a lot to talk about, because I wasn't there long enough, but again, a contract I couldn't turn down. Uh, but in January, I made a decision that from now on, money's not one bit of a factor in it. When we negotiated with Motherwell, didn't even see the figures when he put me in the manager. I said, Look, he said, Look, we've not got a budget. I said, Look, be fair, put an offer on the table and I'll sign it. And you can ask the manager what happened in January, February, obviously. I'm mixing up January and February because the transfer window, but <laughs> ask the manager how the negotiations went. He put the contract on the table, I signed it, and that was it. There was no negotiating. There was. He said, Look, this is our budget. If you do well, we'll be able to give you this next season, but for now, we can't give you that any more than this. And I said, Look, I want to work for you. I seen the setup, I was there obviously for that. I was there for three days before I signed it, I think, but I think he had offered me the contract within 48 hours. And I think that shows you that he knows that he was probably just wanting me to dispel the rumours about the bad attitude. This and some reason he offers me a contract within 48 hours when you've got a team. We are a top striker in Chris Long there. You've got a few young strikers that are coming through. And you're third in the lead. You don't need to admit the score. You yeah. do not need to, but he did. Because I believe he's seen what I can do. And he's seen that I wasn't a bad guy. And when it came to negotiating, there wasn't much to negotiate. I
0: was ready to sign it. Do you know when you were um, going back a little bit at Blackburn, what was Paul Lambert like? Because people seem to think he's a, he's a right miserable bugger. But obviously he's a Celtic legend.
1: No, he's not miserable. He's funny. <laughs> He's he's straight, he'll just look at you and he'll be like, shit, what have I done? But I told this story on Open Goal, but I remember the first night I was there, I'd met him a couple of days before, ready to sign, and I had to do an initiation. And I stood up and I went, right, lads, my name's Tony Watt, don't know if you'll know me, but managers brought me here to improve the squad, but hopefully you can improve me and, like... Maybe be hard for me to improve like just took myself down, but funny, like just a bit of banter and the boys were yeah. laughing and I get a chap at the door. A <clears throat> couple of minutes, well maybe an hour later, I'd left Grant Hanley in the hall. I know Grant for Scotland squad and stuff. And I went, Who is it? Like just sarcastically and was, oh, oh I was like, Oh fuck. So I'm standing in a pair of boxers, shit myself because obviously she said, oh, up Didn't go and put clothes on. Opened the door and Lambert just steamrolls behind me. And I'm like, ah, I'm standing there like that, at, like, the, the door. He's like, you, what are you saying you're not good enough for? That's the wrong attitude, just starting tomorrow. You better not have that attitude and you're a good player. So don't listen to all that, don't talk yourself down, right? See you tomorrow. Then he went out and I was like, ah. I closed the door and I was like, ah. I'm standing in a room, some hotel in Oxford, with a pair of boxers on in the same room as Paul Lambert. If you put them again it doesn't make sense. But I just can't believe it kind of thing. And then after that, he was brilliant with me every time. That kind of, that kind of hindered me because every time I was going to start again, game, he'd pull me in and the boys would go, ah, fuck you in the manager's office again. He's <laughs> shite, he's still playing you, you He must think you're shite and that. Like, just, like, winding me up. He's like, ah, the manager must think you're shite, but he must need to play you kind of thing. Like, because obviously he'd pull me in and speak to me the day before yeah. I game, but it was just because he kind of cared and he was brilliant. He was yeah, obviously taking away this manager now because I'm working under him. I've only been working under him for six months, but if you don't include Robinson in the list, Paul that's the best manager I've ever worked under, I think.
0: Has he got? Um, I know he didn't play under him, but a lot of people say he's took a lot of stuff from uh, Martin O'Neill, who obviously has been successful pretty much everywhere he's been. I think
1: people say that, and that's probably just the mannerisms, but when it comes to his personality, I think he takes it from himself. I think he takes the winning from himself. He actually said something once. He said, they boys up front. My saris just went off, sorry. Don't know, because I said said something. <laughs> he said something once, and it was, uh, we were playing Brentford. I'll always remember it. And he went, we're a, I think we were playing a diamond. He's like, see, they free up front. I think it was Jordi Gomez. Possibly, I don't think Danny Graham had started that game. He was like, they're the creative players up front. She used free. Tanks in the middle. Didn't want to swear, but he went, use of the water carriers. You get the water, you move it from there to there, and that's it. You just do that and let them up front do the magic. And that stood with me because it was like, he was disrespecting them, but at the same time, he was telling them their job's vital. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. flagging yeah, yeah.
1: them as if saying, like, use all the water carriers, but you need to get the water for you one side and take
0: it to the heart. Do you know what I mean? And you need your water carriers. Like, he's absolutely right. Yeah, you, you need your...
1: It was It was as if he was saying, like, use are vital for me if you do that job. And that's it. And we won the game. We had 10 men. And we won the game. And I was like, that's unbelievable. This guy's a genius. And I just thought, I loved him. People probably base him now on what he's doing, what he's done. Sorry, in the Premier League. But yeah. I honestly think he's a top top manager. And I don't think he gets the credit, and I think the he'll probably end up with a top top job again. I think he's doing well at Ipswich. I think that I don't know what position they're in, but they were at one point when I seen they were doing well. I always keep an eye out for him. But struggling a bit now,
0: but. I think it's a club much like Sunderland, that's in a little bit of turmoil to be honest. So Yeah, I think
1: after Mick McCarthy left, I think he said, You don't know what you're going to miss when I'm gone kind of thing. Like as if like, I've kept this club and they went down straight away and I think he's picked up the pieces, Lambert, but I think given time he could be a a real, real like Godsend for that club. Do
0: you know when you went to uh, Bulgaria, by the way, you touched on uh C S K and stuff like that. Now I don't know if this is maybe a controversial question to ask, but I remember, and I can't remember if it was at this ground or not, but when England played there and there was the whole racism thing that kicked off. did, did What was your experience of that kind of thing over there? Did you find it? I was it, there.
1: Was, I was at again. Oh,
0: game. Oh, Jesus. What was your thoughts? It wasn't normal. It wasn't.
1: I never, ever wanted to talk about it. I got phone calls asking from top sport from, and I just didn't want to talk about it. And to be fair, the boy, there was, I experienced a bit of racism towards <clears throat> the boy Solomon but it wasn't from Sessica fans that, that day, it was from a team called Arda maybe, and it, it, I'm losing words but it yeah. was unbelievable. They were, one lad, one older guy was being racist towards them and I turned around and I said you fucking shut up, I said you shut up you fucking prick, whatever and he was making monkey noises towards him. And I was like, oh, what? And then when I turned around, I went, you shut the he was going, hey, fuck off, what? Fuck off, what? And I was like, what? And then he kept doing it. See, when you turn around confront you, see if somebody's been racist, they go, ah, oh, oh.
0: He yeah. just kept
1: doing it. And I think, one, for me, it's not saying that Bulgaria is a racist country. It's saying there's idiots everywhere. Yeah, did you see the thing about Ian Wright on Twitter the other day?
0: I did, mate. Yeah, really, you, really bad. You can't bad. turn
1: around and say Bulgaria is a racist country. It, it might be behind. It might be. It could be, but you can't turn around and say everybody is because it's not fair. Because in Scotland and England, there's racism. There's idiots everywhere, and it's disgusting. It's, it's just absolutely mind-boggling how you can be dragged up to be a racist. You're not brought up to be a racist, you're dragged up to be a racist. And I swear, and one of the coaches for that our team was like, hey, calm down. I was like, no, fuck off. I'm saying, he can't be racist That bleep. I was yeah. going to say the C word, but I said, he can't be fucking racist. I said, that's a fucking shambles. I said, if you're sticking up for that, you can fuck off. And it was yeah, me, right. me, Viv saw him, and I think it was... I think Graham Carey was there. I can't remember exactly, but we were in that guy. saying, don't fucking stick up for that. You can fuck off. And, uh,
0: right though, isn't it? It's yeah. like, you can't, there's, there's no, you can't but stick up for me,
1: that. This isn't me saying Bulgaria is racist, because it's not. It it might have racist people in it, but so does England and Scotland. And that's is. not me saying it, but I've seen cases of racism online. Maybe not Scotland as much. I've not seen a lot, and that's not me sticking up for my country. But in England, I've seen a lot of racism. I've seen it at football grounds. I've heard it at football grounds.
0: Well, Sterling got it, didn't he, like weeks after at Chelsea or something like that? When everyone was saying how bad Bulgaria was, literally weeks later. Was it, was it Sterling that got it at Chelsea? I think it was. It was someone that got it from that Chelsea I fan.
1: Against, I played against a team. And I'm not naming any names, because it's not fair. A black player scored against us to draw or to, to win in a derby. So you want to do your research. Yeah. And he ran over in front of his fans and he was getting you know, all that because they had racially abused him before. I was 99 percent certain that was it maybe I'm foggy, but that was in England. And it's not on. Nah. It's not. It's absolutely not on.
0: In terms of, you know, away from that, just to kind of because a lot of people have been to Bulgaria and loved it. Not just players, like people like visiting. It's a it's still yeah. a really popular holiday destination. Did you have a, a good time in Bulgaria? Did, was it like lots of good aspects to it?
1: Amazing. The malls, it was like 30 <coughs> degrees most days up until October. The malls were amazing. We ate out every night. We enjoyed ourselves. And you could go to a mall and just three stories walk around them. And there was a lot of stuff. And Scotland, England could take a lot of stuff from Sofia as a city. It was brilliant. But it, it came to a stage in January where I thought, The club for me just wasn't where I needed to be.
0: With the move to Motherwell, obviously, it's kind of coronavirus has put a a bit of a stopper on all of this. Um, But what are your hopes for the future? Obviously, I I don't know whether anything's been discussed and I don't know whether it would be right to in the current climate, but uh, what are your hopes sort of personally for your future? Because you're still only 26. You've still got plenty left in you.
1: I want a few hat-trick balls now. I've not had one. I've had a few (laughs) uh, juices but. I want a few hat-trick balls this season and next season and the season after, and then we'll take it from there.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Um, final question. You've played with some absolutely cracking players, um, even though, like I say, you're still only 26. What would be your all-time aside side that you've played with? <sighs> In
1: goals, I'm going to go for Trevor Carson. Because it would have been Fraser Foster, and he's the best shot stopper I've ever played with. Played with Nick Pope as well, who was unbelievable. But Trev with the ball at his feet is unbelievable, and he's a top, top guy. So he'd be my he'd be my goalkeeper. You could trust him. You could fire it back to him. He'll control it and cry for you, which he'd done to me a few times when I was training. I was thinking, I'll press him, and he croifed me, and it never registered. And then he done it again, and I was thinking, you prick. I'm thinking, I'm not pressing you again. So he would do it. Centre backs. Are we going six aside or five aside? Go away included or maybe give me six, there. Fa- yeah, go
0: for six, yeah, go on. Go on, I'll let you off. it's your, it's your choice, I kinda of stop you. <laughs>
1: I need to put big big Decron Gallagher in there because he's my my Call of Duty buddy. He's yep. my and a good and defender. He's my Call of Duty buddy. So he'd go in there alongside Joe Gomez from uh, Liverpool, I would put David Turnbull in there in the midfield just because we've got tight and I think he's going to have a top, top career. And up front would be, I've not played William Boyce, he's my other call-duty buddy, so he can, he can stay on the sidelines. He If we play the guy, he'll make my team, but it would be James Forrest and... I don't know. I think we'd need to go with. I think James, he could probably play up front of Shell and put Winyama in next to him. Yeah. I mean, I could have had Van Dyke, but I only maybe played one or two games with him. I could have had uh, Gary Hooper, who was a hero of mine, as I said. But I think there needs to be space for deck and Tumble. I need to be loyal just now. They're my teammates. Actually, all boys in there, he's my call of duty teammates. So I've played with him, we'll see. So for fun, I'd go, Trev, Joe Gomez, Declan Gallagher, David Tumble, Liam Boyce, and James Forrest.
0: Not a bad team. Pretty decent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you right. go
0: Thanks very much, mate. Good chat. Well, no, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Absolute ah, pleasure, mate. It's not a problem. Um, but thank you, I.